0: Welcome back again to our study of the book of Proverbs. We're in chapter six, and in our last study, we began looking at, in verse 12, the worthless person, the wicked man. So let's read that text again, verses 12 through 19. A worthless person, a wicked man, is the one who walks with a perverse mouth, who winks with his eyes, who signals with his feet, who points with his fingers, who with perversity in his heart continually devises evil, who spreads strife. Therefore, his calamity will come suddenly, instantly. He will be broken and there will be no healing. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies and one who spreads strife among brothers. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us, that we would never be in your eyes a wicked person, that we would never rebel against your will in such a way to clench our teeth and clench our fists, Lord and wave them in rebellion against you. Oh Lord, give us grace that we would serve you, that we would walk with you all the days of our life in humility and obedience. Oh dear God, please, please Lord, help these children who are listening, that they would see Christ and they would see all the glory and wonder of what you've done through him that they would turn away from the dark path of this world, that they would follow Christ. And oh dear God, give them wisdom, strengthen them, teach them, even through this lesson today, to see the horrors of wickedness, the joys of righteousness. Oh Lord, set their feet on a right path and keep their feet on that path by your grace. In Jesus name, amen. Now, when we read 12 through 19, one of the things that we see is rebellion against God. And that in itself is the greatest crime. But one of the things in particular also that I want you to see here is that the wicked person, you know, sometimes you'll see people do evil and they go, what business is it of yours? It doesn't affect you. Well, that's just not true. The wickedness of a man will affect those around him and it'll begin usually with those closest to him, his own family. You see, what we do in life, it not only has consequences for us, it has consequences for those closest to us, but also, I don't think anyone can calculate how much damage that one act of evil will do. Another thing that I want you to see here is that he's not only rebelling against God, this wicked person, he's hurting other people people through his speech, through his plots, through his schemes. It seems that he's loveless. You know, the Bible says that there are two great commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The wicked man does neither of these. As a matter of fact, probably the only one he loves is himself. Now. We have four characteristics here of a wicked person, and we're gonna start in verse 12 with one of them. It says, a worthless person, a wicked man, is the one who walks with a perverse mouth. Now, what does it mean to have a perverse mouth? Well, literally, the word means that the mouth is crooked, twisted, and, and therefore perverse. Now, it, it doesn't mean physically, that the person's mouth is um, turned the wrong way or that they can't speak well. What it's talking about is what comes out of their mouth. So the thing that is always supposed to come out of our mouth is truth. This person it's as though they've come to a point where they can no longer even speak the truth. So whatever comes out of their mouth is going to be a twisted manifestation. It's going to be truth. Perverted, truth changed, truth corrupted, so that it is no longer truth. Uh, this person is a liar, so tells lies. This person is a deceiver, tells lies in order to to trick or coerce or manipulate people and get what they want. This person is also a talebearer, a gossip. He's going to speak evil of others. Now. Here when it says, he's one who walks with uh, a perverse mouth, he may be, the writer may be referring back to the stranger in verse one. The one who is uh, trying to manipulate someone else so that they'll offer themselves as a guarantee for their financial endeavors, trying to trick them into supporting them even if they fail or it may be referring back to the sloth because one of the things about a slothful person is they make up stories, they tell lies, they always have an excuse, they always have an argument as to why they're not working. So let's go on here. Now it says something unusual. It says, he walks about with a perverse mouth. And if you think about that for a moment, it's it's kind of, it's kind of silly. What does it mean? Well, it's probably a reference to his style of life. So everywhere he goes, everywhere he walks, in every relationship, um, he cannot be trusted with his words. He's come to a point where this is a part of him and it's a pattern or lifestyle. Now, I want you to see something, young person, and this is, I've lived long enough to see this over and over and over again. Um, I think I've mentioned C.S. Lewis's illustration before. So imagine that you have this large man, and he has a chain that he's holding, and it comes down from him to a little tiny sin. But as he holds on to that sin, he's the one that's in control. He leads it around, he uses it for his purposes. He's in control. But gradually what happens? The man becomes smaller, the sin becomes larger. And now, it's not the man holding the sin on a chain. It's the sin holding the man on a chain. I have met people that over the years, Sin has become such a pattern in their life that they're literally enslaved to it. Um, I, I have known, and I could probably point out to you people, politicians and such, that it's got to the point where you don't even think they even know when they're lying or telling the truth because it's literally become a part of them. The Puritans and the Reformers, but especially the Puritans and the old evangelicals, they constantly talked about the moment you see sin, you need to kill it in your life because the longer it lingers, the more it's going to have power and eventually it will control you. So when you can, when you see sin, kill it. Don't make a truce with it. Don't just kind of push it away. No, the Puritans used a word mortify or kill. Sin, kill, the deeds of the flesh, get rid of them. You know, um, one time I was, uh, I was turkey hunting and uh, with, with one of my longbows back here. And it's very, very hard. Turkeys can see. I mean, if you blink your eyes, they see it. And uh, I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, I mean, in a fraction of a second, a turkey ran out about 20, 20, 20 yards, just full run. And I just took my bow and I went like that. And I mean, I, I shot him and I hit him. And a dear friend of mine goes, how did you do that? And I said, I don't know. I just did it. And what happens is if you shoot a longbow just thousands and thousands and thousands of times at targets, pretty soon it's just a, you just do it. You just do it just like that. Sometimes you miss, but sometimes you you do hit. And it's it's a habit that's been created. Well, that's just with some sort of sport. That's just with a a longbow. Now, sin is different. A habit, uh, practice can turn into a habit, but sin is more powerful than that. It grabs a hold of you. And you need to be very, very careful, especially with lying, that in time... You won't even be able to discern when you're telling the truth or not. It doesn't even matter. Now, it says he walks about with a perverse mouth. I've already said that that's probably referring to his style of life. Everywhere he goes, his speech is perverse, twisted, and there's no truth in him. But there's something else here. It may be talking about his influence as a liar, as a talebearer about the destruction. He's, he's almost like a virus. He's almost like an epidemic. Everywhere he goes, he contaminates everyone, and he spreads disease. Now, there was an old um, Catholic priest by the name of Philip Neri, I think it was, in Italy. And the story goes like this, that one day... Um, um, a woman came to him or he confronted a woman who was a notorious gossip and uh, so she said she was uh, sorry for what she had done and she wanted to do some form of repentance so the story goes that he had her go up to the tower i think the bell tower of the church place where you could stand really really high and he had her go up there with a pillow full of feathers back then it was you know uh, it was a a downer, duck feathered <laughs> uh, pillow. And he said, rip it open and shake the feathers out. So she's very, very high above the city. She rips open the pillow and she shakes it out. And of course, they're feathers, they're caught with the wind and they're spread throughout the city. And he said, "Now, go pick up all the feathers. And she said, that's impossible. And he said, you're right. And in the same way, you can't pick up all your words. They've done damage that that you can't fix. And that's something that we need to realize. This man goes around lying, telling stories, deceiving. Maybe he's even deceiving people about God like a false prophet. Uh, But in time, it spreads like a virus. And some of the damage that he does, well, it can't be undone. Now, how does that apply to me and you? We need to be very, very careful, don't we? With our words, very careful, very careful. You can hurt somebody and it's hard to heal that hurt. You can tell somebody else about someone, something that's not true and destroy their reputation. So you need to be very, very careful. Now, I want you to see something that's so important and that is whatever comes out of your mouth, it originated in your heart. And that's why, as we're gonna see, you need to be constantly guarding your heart. You need to be very careful, you know. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. It's so true. Because whatever is in your heart is going to come out in your speech. Now, in Proverbs seventeen twenty, listen to what it says. He who has a crooked mind, literally a crooked heart, finds no good, and he who is perverted in his language falls into evil. Here we see a relationship between the heart and the speech. A perverted heart leads to perverted speech. In Proverbs 16, 23, the heart of the wise instructs his mouth. So in this case, it's positive. So we have a person who's who's wise in their heart. And the wisdom of their heart or the wisdom of their mind is revealed through their speech. That's why the Bible even says that a person who doesn't talk will appear wise. But a fool will always just run, run, run with his mouth. Okay? So even if you don't know a whole lot, if you stay quiet, people will think that you're wise. Now, in Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Okay, it just comes out. They don't even have to think about it. It just happens. Now, I wanna show you something that I think is a very important truth, and it's this. We have to work hard at righteousness, but we don't have to work that hard at evil, do we? If you want to be a righteous man in this fallen world you want to be a righteous young lady in this fallen world, you have to watch yourself. You have to study the scriptures. You have to discipline yourself. You have to be very, very careful. But if you want to be wicked, you don't have to do anything. It just naturally comes. And that's why he says, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. He works at it. Before he opens his mouth, he's like, now, is this what God says? Is this the will of God? But the mouth of the wicked doesn't even have to think. It just pours forth evil. Now, another thing you can learn here is this, that uh, it's called the unguarded moment. I used to hear old preachers talk about this, that if you don't take care of your heart, if your heart is wicked, you can still look righteous by just pretending. But sooner or later, when you're not you know, guarding yourself with everything you've got, the real part of you, the real quality of your heart is going to come out. So what should we do? We should constantly be working on our heart. How do we do that? By filling our heart and mind with the word of God. Matthew 12, 34. Jesus says, you brood of vipers. That means you you bunch of vipers. How can you being evil, speak what is good. For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Now look at what we got here. Jesus could have rebuked them and said, you brood of vipers, you say so many bad things. But he wasn't, if he'd done that, he wouldn't have gotten to the heart of the issue. And the root of their bad speech was a bad heart. And this wicked person, the reason why their speech is twisted is because their heart is twisted. It's twisted up against God and it's closed itself. It refuses to hear the word of God. In Matthew 15, 18, Jesus said, but the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and those defile the man. Again, the relationship between perverse speech and the heart or good speech and the heart. Luke 16, 45, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good and the evil man out of the evil treasure uh, brings forth what is evil for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. You, You can't hide it. Eventually, it's going to come out through your mouth, through your words. A perverse heart will lead to perverse speech. Now, This is why Proverbs 4.23 says this, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. One of the things that I would add here is is Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, where we're told do not be conformed to this world or even conformed to the flesh, but be renewed in your mind, be transformed in your mind, through the renewing of your mind, the Word of God. There's no, there's no. look, I, I could say all day that there's all these uh, different methods you can try. And uh, people who say that sell a lot of books, but there's not a lot of methods you can try. Here's what you need to do. Read the Word of God, read the Word of God, study the Word of God, put the Word of God in your heart and in your mind. That's what you must do. And you know what? It's not that complicated, but it is difficult. It requires discipline. Now, so the, one of the points or one of the qualities or characteristics of the wicked is that they speak with a perverse mouth. But then it goes on and it says in verse 13, who winks with his eyes, who signals with his feet, who points with his fingers. Literally, it says, who winks with his eyes, who scrapes, like scraping on the ground, with his feet, who instructs with his fingers. And what does it mean? His, every part of him is corrupt. He doesn't just deceive people with his words. He uses everything he has, every opportunity. He's constantly, no matter what he's doing, it's infected with what? The corruption of his heart. Now, here's something I want you to see, his, why is he doing all this? Why, Why is he, you know, winking and moving his feet and his fingers and signaling? Well, there's two possibilities. One, he may be seeking to communicate with other people who are involved in his conspiracy, a conspiracy against you, okay? Or he may be winking at you and trying to signal you to join in the conspiracy. But here's what you need to see. If a person will lie to you about someone else, then they'll lie to someone else about you. If a man is trying to get you to join him in his evil, If this man has decided that he will not serve God, do you honestly think that he cares about you? If there is a person who is constantly deceiving others and says, join me in this, that same man will deceive you. We see that in Proverbs chapter one and the warnings that are given there, that we should never join the wicked in their conspiracies, in their sin, never, never. You know, there's a a statement that something like, there's honor among thieves. Well, there's no honor among thieves. If someone says, join with our group so that we can rob somebody else, sooner or later they'll rob you. Now, I want you to look at something here in verse 13. It says, He winks with his eyes, He signals with his feet, He points with his fingers. This shows me something very, very important. He thinks that he's hidden. He thinks that he's doing something that nobody sees. And that's true. It it may be quite hidden from every other man on the planet. But it's not hidden from God. So you can get involved in hiding things and trying to trick somebody and trying to make somebody believe something that's not true. You can try to do something wrong and hide it from everybody else on the planet. And guess what? You may get away with it but you're showing that you really don't understand the scriptures. God sees you. And God sees exactly what this evil, wicked person is doing. He thinks he's an expert in deceiving and in getting away with things, but he does not deceive God. God cannot be deceived and he cannot be mocked. He does not get away with it. And that's something I want you to see. The, the older I get, um, I, I, I shouldn't be really, but I am more and more every day astounded at how evil men can be, how many lies are out there in the public, um, how we've gotten to the point where we don't think we can believe anyone because we don't think anyone's telling us the truth. And, and the men who do this, lie who deceive not just others but nations maybe even the entire globe they think they're getting away with it and you know what sometimes we look at them and we think yeah they're getting away with it they're doing all these things right in front of us and there's nothing we can do about it well they're not getting away with it because God sees God sees the evil God sees the righteous God sees them and God sees you, God sees. And if you can grasp and apply that truth to your life, it will really change everything because you realize. You know, maybe as a kid, you're thinking, mom and dad won't see me. Uh, I remember my son Evan one time, he, uh, he uh, grabbed some cookies when he was little and he went and ate the whole bag in the closet. He shut the door and was there in the dark, and well, he eventually did get caught, but he was pretty much convinced that he was gonna get away with it. And uh, we still talk about that now that he's grown up and laugh about it, but God saw him in that dark closet, didn't he? God sees us. And so we need to be righteous and act righteously, not only in the presence of men, but always because God is always watching. Now I wanna read something from Genesis uh, 31, 48 through 50. Uh, Laban, okay, the father-in-law of Jacob. Laban said when Jacob was leaving and and Laban wanted to be sure that there wouldn't be any war between him and his son-in-law and he said, Laban said, this heap, it's a pile of rocks, is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore, it was named Goliath and Mizpah. For he said, may the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent from one another. If you mistreat my daughters, or if you take wives beside my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me." Do you see how true? That is so true. says, though I'm not there with you, Jacob, God sees. Though no one else sees you or me, God sees and that pile of rocks over there is a witness to remind all of us that this is true. Well it is true and it can really change your life. You want to do righteousness because God is always watching you. If someone hurts you, you know God is watching and that gives great comfort. So God is the God who Now, when we come back for our study, we're going to uh, uh, talk about verse 14, where it says that the wicked with perversity in his heart continually devises evil who spreads strife. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you. Oh, God. I pray that you would... uh, Transform the hearts of the children who are watching this series on Proverbs. Transform their hearts, raise up a generation. Lord, a generation of children who love you, who fear you, who believe in your son, who follows the lamb wherever he goes. Please, dear God, in Jesus' name, amen.